the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, they say there's always a calm before the storm, and the storm is the 22nd of May. That's when the primary will happen. And uh, voting starts in a couple of weeks. I mean, I think two weeks from this last Tuesday, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. It's coming up on us. Early a start, so keep that in mind. We're almost already done with April in 2018. It's going fast. year. Let me remind you that I will only be here Monday and Tuesday of next week. Wednesday, I have oral surgery, and so uh, I I was only going to take two days off, Wednesday and Thursday, but I thought, you know, take it easy, a little easy on yourself, Dave, and take go lots ahead. of drugs. Take the yeah, that's Don't it. worry about that. That could make for a fun Wednesday show. I yeah, think. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it would have been. I wouldn't have been able to talk on Wednesday, but yeah, coming up, I'm going to take Friday off too. So. Uh, Wednesday, Alan Kerr is going to be here to fill in for me. Thursday, Val Emmons will fill in for me. And then coming up on uh, Friday, it'll be Shane Stack. So it's going to be basically the Geek Squad is here for all, the whole show. So that should be should be a whole lot of fun. Although I, I thank uh, State Senator Alan Clark for saying, I'd rather hear your show, Dave, than the Geek Squad. I appreciate him saying that. <laughs> Uh, you know, Shane doesn't always just do just the geek squad. Oh, no, he, he can talk some good. In there. He can talk politics very well. He's good. As you know, I hired him over at uh, the other station to do mornings with uh, Karen. Well, I remember that because I was producing. I know. For, for a I said that's why I said you remember. You better. It was the other station, yes. Yeah. It was the, the other station before it became we got rid of the other station. <laughs> I like talking about my career in Little Rock. I was at this station before the next station that changed to the other station that has changed to this station now. Man, it's it, all it, very clear. Right yeah, it's all very clear. If, that, if that's got you, – you figured that out, I got some more Oxycontin <laughs> I can share with you. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm getting getting some some pretty big work done next Wednesday, so we'll have three people fill in for me next week, so keep that in mind. Maybe you whistle every time you drop an S somewhere. Yeah, I try to I drop an S all the time now. I've got so few teeth in the top of my mouth, I have a lisp now, because I don't have any teeth to form syllables and, you know, vowels and stuff. you were trying to identify something else. I was not. That was not happening. was not (laughs) happening. I'll tell you how stupid my life is at times. You, you'll you'll get a kick out of it. J.R. Davis is sitting here looking at me going, I come on to the show, you know, make time for this, and, and he goes off on these tangents. <laughs> for some reason, this morning over breakfast, my wife said Niagara Falls. I was talking about Niagara Falls. And so what did I do? I got up in the middle of the restaurant and went, Niagara Falls, slowly I turn, step by step. And you've heard this, haven't you? With no, the, I can't say that I have. With the, with, with the, <laughs> I'm uh, so glad Russ didn't know yeah, either. I was like, man, the, I am. Abbott and Costello did okay. it. Okay. 
as well as the Three Stooges did it. And it, it, you, bring, you go ahead, bring it up on the computer in there. Look, up, just type in Niagara Falls Three Stooges. It'll pop up. So it, you did this in the middle play. of the restaurant? Yeah, I did it this morning at uh, over at the Waffle House. Yeah, in Cabot. So everybody got got some extra entertainment this morning. <laughs> and you're right. Very few people knew what the <laughs> hell I was doing. <laughs> I had lost. Big sale is back. Southern. Here, he's, you're going to find it now. He's, hold on. You've, you, I, I'm telling you, you both have seen this or heard it. Here. You got it? Here we go. Hi there, pal. You call me pal? Why, I haven't heard that word for years. You know, bub, I was once a tramp like you. Oh, congratulations. Ah, but it wasn't always <laughs> thus. I can look back to the days of yore when I was a very happy married man. And one day that rat came and destroyed forever all the happiness I'd ever known. I'll never forget that day. I just came home from the graveyard shift, and there was a note on a pillow. What did it say? Oh, it was one of those cold-blooded notes. Dear Mo, I'm running away with Larry. I was obsessed with the idea that I must find him. The trail led me to Pittsburgh. I found that I'd missed him by three days when I got there, and I swore right there in Pittsburgh I'd find him and have my revenge. Now, on went the chase. Miami, Dallas, New Orleans. And then I came face to face with a rat that had ruined my life. It was in Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls! (laughs) Slowly I turned, and step by step, Inch by inch, I walked up to him and I smashed him. I So I'm just picturing Dave doing this right now in the Waffle House. Yeah. Oh, take it easy, boy. Take it easy. Uh, Yeah, and I didn't have Curly there to grab by the nose and poke in the eye. So who who, who, uh, stood in for Curly? Um, My wife, but I did not (laughs) slap her. That's good. That's good. I say hello, pal, sort of friendly, and just because I say Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls! All right, we can leave it there. Well, uh, I'll send that to Elizabeth. She'll post it on on our social media so you can watch it. I wish it. I had been having breakfast at Waffle House and Cabot this morning. <laughs> it was fun after hearing that. It's fun. It's just it just came out of nowhere. I don't. I've got stuff stuck in my head from the nearly fifty years of a broadcast that I've done that just suddenly appears out of nowhere. Isn't it remarkable the things that you can remember and the things you can't remember? That's, yeah. Uh, I deal with that. that. That bit was done before I was born. It was a burlesque bit, and uh, the uh, Three Stooges did it, and so did Abbott and Costello, except they said it was they were at Pocomoto is where he was at. It was some stupid name that uh, they, they had the guy say, and they had to repeat it several times. But uh, that first time that uh, Three Stooges is 1944. Wow. How do I know that? Because I looked it up today. Because it was driving me crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I'm big. I'm big Stooge fan. So I was trying to figure out where did I get it from. My my, my wife, my mother must have watched it while she was carrying me. That See, must that, be where it came from. There you go. And it's funny that when you can have someone, well, you have a comedy routine. It's still funny. Seventy five years later, it's crazy. Those are the great comics. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you think about who those comics influenced between Abbott and Costello and the Three Stooges. Slapstick, the Three Stooges, 
took it to another level, and so Chevy Chase and yeah. John Belushi and all Fletcher, of those guys. All those, and I, I, my wife, I love physical humor. I love it. And my wife, she's not a physical Most humor women person, do not like it. But she think we'll watch movies or whatever, and when something happens, physical comedy, I lose it. And she's just like, what is your deal? I don't know what it is, but I love slapstick comedy, physical comedy. It's it's great. Okay, I'm going gonna, gonna to do something for him, for J.R. Davis. That I do only yeah, for, for people I know. Yeah, when it's the physical humor to other people. Now, I make I will, <laughs> you don't like being smacked in the head. I will loan you uh, my six disc set of the Three Stooges. Awesome. So I'll you, listen to it. You, yeah. No, not listen. Watch it. You've never. Well, oh, you've got it on the. Uh, I've got it on so DVD. Yeah. Wow. Man, I grew up in St. Louis. That was always on. That was the only thing on at like. 12 to midnight, or 12 to 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, then you're going to love it. I love the Will Three you listen Stooges. to what I was yes, telling you? Yes, I did. I did. I did the whole Niagara, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. Yeah. <laughs> see, she, she missed it. If she was here, then she no, would have no, had some feedback. Listening. And yeah, see, yeah. you yeah. got to do the turn right. See, you can't just say Niagara Falls you and got, just turn like this. It's You lift your leg. <laughs> Holy turn around. You just got to... I don't know. Was, and, was, and right then, <laughs> uh, there, ladies and gentlemen, that is why they now have cameras uh, oh, in the studio for that right there. <laughs> I forgot. People don't realize the 17 years that I have been here in Little in Little Rock, how much they have missed because cameras oh, are not yeah. in the studio. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're getting it all now. <laughs> now they yeah. see it all. Now they see it all. All right. So Wardrobe anyway. malfunctions and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I did not have one of those. I did not have one of those. And I don't have a star on my right breast. Remember Janet Jackson? Yeah, she, yeah. She, she had the, I don't. Was that a tattoo? It, no, it was a nipple star or something. Oh, the that, covering. Yeah, mm. it was really weird. That was a. It's uh, called a pasty. <laughs> I don't think it was How a pasty. You know it looked that, like Russ? it was. I, if it is, it's a metal pasty. Yeah, they make those. Oh, do they really? How do you know this? I just saw them in the movie. <laughs> like I don't have anything but a pasty on, but I'm just saying. I'm staying out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> so you wear metal pasties? Nope. Then when did you right stop? Right here for horns. When did you stop? <laughs> no, I've never. <laughs> See? I've just seen them. That's the way you do the it. In the movies. That's the way, as a, as a reporter, you do it. So you've stopped so, beating your children, so, Val? That's right. You, no, you, you I'm going to be- beat one after he gets his tooth fixed today. <laughs> you don't beat your children? When did you, when did I you stop? I always beat my kids. <laughs> anyway, with that said, J.R. Davis is here. Good he, to be here. He's from the, go- <laughs> he's from the <laughs> governor's <laughs> office. This started off with me at breakfast at Waffle House today. But... Uh, you know, Jr. Big story today in the local paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? Thirteen thousand? I heard came off of uh, Arkansas uh, Works or something like thirty six hundred. Thirty six hundred. Yeah. Okay, but from the low Big that it was, day, yeah, right? it is. But yeah, yeah, but but as uh, from the low we had in January, we mentioned that we knocked off around fifty nine thousand. Right. So it continued to drop again. So we're at the lowest it's been since it got to its height. So it continues that trend downward, and that's before we have the work requirements that are going into place June one. So. Okay. So how did this? How how did you lose all these people that are on now? Did they find jobs? Is that how these folks came off? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's a, a combination. Di- combination. One is, you know, we've talked about it before, just the uh, renewal process. I mean, it really is. It's a monthly check, making sure that, you know, if you're on it this month and, and you're and you're eligible for it, you stay on it. If you're not, you're removed. So it's just that constant check. So that's part of it. And the other part is that we continue to move people uh, into work in Arkansas. Um, you look at the revenue report from last month where we've cut $150 million in taxes, but we're actually uh, receiving more individual income tax 
uh, from folks because they're out there working. And so I think that's a good combination that the economy has absorbed those cuts, uh, that we're still giving back a whole lot more than we have in the past in income tax returns, um, and you're seeing those roles on Medicaid continue to decrease. So we're moving in the right direction, and I think uh, the report in the paper today uh, and that came out yesterday is good indication that things are moving in the right direction. All right, so with the 3600 you're looking at a little over 60 that you've lost here with mm-hmm. that big mm-hmm. at the beginning right. of the year. Uh, how many do you think you'll lose when the work requirements go into effect? <laughs> Are you guys making any kind of yeah, there, there are some... Uh, of guesses? I don't yeah, know. I, I won't necessarily get into the, the, the those numbers because we're not sure because obviously this is something that's never been implemented in Arkansas before. Or in the uh, United or, States. Or the United States. And it's funny, there's so much talk about Kentucky, but Arkansas is going to be the one that implements it first. And I've been so, harping on this for 20 years. Yeah, so, so again, that's why it's just not really sure of what that concrete data will look like once we implement it. But um, the first round, June 1st, you'll start to implement it between, uh, I believe it's, uh, uh, I want to say... 29 and 49 or something. Anyway, so it's a part of the overall eligibility, and they'll do it on this first wave, and then the second wave they'll they'll uh, uh, bring in the rest of those folks. So it's sort of that staggered approach. But I think what you'll see is, uh, hopefully what you'll see is um, more people getting into the workforce, uh, not only because they have to, um, but it also hooks them up with worker training. And the whole goal is really to build the state's workforce. And the governor's really talked about it. And I think it's become more clear to folks who've been paying attention to what the governor's been saying over the last couple of months is that the goal of this is is to continue to build a strong workforce in Arkansas and in a lot of the rural counties as well. So if you have a company that's saying, you guys have a 3.8% unemployment rate. There's not a whole lot to, uh, you know, while that's a, you know, it's kind of a good problem to have, obviously. Yeah. But when people see that or companies outside of Arkansas that want to relocate here say, you know, what do we have to work with? Where are we going to get these right. people because you don't have any right. not working? Right. So between our workforce initiatives, the work requirement on uh, Arkansas Works, I think when you start pulling people into that work or training, hooking them up with work, and then when someone comes in and says, well, tell me about, you know, um, uh, you know, pick a county, and we can say, well, we've got we've got 400 individuals here who are underemployed or not employed. They're getting training, and you can come here, and we can train these folks to work in your company, your factory, you know, immediately sort of thing. That's where we want to get to, um, and that's what AEDC is working on. The governor's working on with this uh, competitive initiative grant that we're doing with, with uh, or competitive uh, certified initiative with counties that basically says uh, we want to be able to talk about let's Crittenden County or something and say hey look this is the readily available workforce here we have you know this site over here that's turnkey ready you can move in start operations immediately and employ the 400 people that uh, don't have jobs or underemployed so it's it's really just a a multiple approach to all of this but the work requirements a big part of that and so that's what we hope to see but to answer your question I know I've kind of rambled there uh, I think you absolutely will see a decrease there'll be some people that just you know, don't feel like going out there and working, and and that's part of the system. But what we hope see, what we hope to see, is that people are uh, entering the workforce. They're getting the training they need because we believe they do want to work, and uh, and I think we'll see that in the summer as that starts to get implemented. All right, so let me go back yeah. just a, ba- a bit about this this uh, uh, grant or whatever you have, this program that you have that uh, you know by county how many people you've got that are basically employable i mean do are are the the counties required to report this to a state agency so they have this up to date all the time 
Yeah, so let me correct myself. It's Competitive Communities Initiative. Okay. And so what that is is, and, and that's there are multiple points on that to be certified as a county. So you, you need to be able to say that, you know, we we can we have these uh, uh, these site locations ready to go that we can house this you know this large of a company and square footage and and basically identify any sort of structure that can be used uh, when a company is looking to to come in. And obviously the workforce is a big part of that. So yes, they can measure. Um, you know, especially when you start getting some data back from uh, DHS and workforce services, uh, how many individuals uh, are uh, not exempt from the work requirement, and you'll automatically know that you say, you know, you have maybe two two hundred some odd people who are not exempt that have to report those work requirements mm-hmm. on a monthly basis, and so that's where you sort of pull that information from, and you can say, okay, we've got this many people here who are uh, of working age, who are able-bodied individuals. We can start working with these individuals and hook them up with worker training and get them connected to work. And that's where we can really start to collect that data for the first time and use it on the economic development front. So I think it's exciting on a lot of different areas, but but certainly for economic development in Arkansas. Okay, so this is a good thing for people who are coming here. At least they'll know yep. they have a, a workforce that they're walking into. Yep. I mean, I'm seeing a ton of four, you know, we need people. We, you know, Why don't you go and uh, collect all the people that are on the corners uh, begging for money, and we might have a good workforce going on in the country. The judges won't let us. Man, do that. it's just I'm telling you, there was just a guy. <laughs> That's now, their First every, Amendment right, there, you know. I, I, don't even. I, let's not go there. Yeah, and Squirrel! just <laughs> and to go right. into the uh, the competitive communities initiative, this is sort of the goals they're laying out as part of this, which the work requirement will help provide some of that data, but you know better understand the strengths and weaknesses of uh, uh, of their community itself. So not every community is going to be able to pull in a huge company, but they'll know what kind of companies they can go out there and recruit, uh, learn from best practices, and receive guidance from seasoned economic development professionals. They haven't had that before. It's basically being able to come in and say, okay, this is what you need to be doing right here to really make yourself attractive for outside investments. Okay. Uh, educate community leaders on the competitive standing and their readiness, which is key. Obviously, the readiness, we talk about those mm-hmm. turnkey uh, structures, you know, site locations, uh, infrastructure there, whether it's roads, rails, whatever it might be to really showcase that. And then finally, utilize the outcome of the evaluation to improve that attractiveness. So you get all that together, you come up with a plan, you submit that to AEDC, and then they can certify you as a county. So what AEDC does at that point, they can they can say, look, you know, let's look at Pulaski County or Jefferson County or Searcy and say, here's this county. They are readily available to do this right here. Here's their workforce. Here's what they have available. And now you can see where that becomes way more attractive to outside investment and investors because they can say, okay, we have everything we've asked for all the information right, right here, here ready to go we can make a decision we don't have to search around for the information exactly yeah and so the state you know and the county and the city they know what they're looking for they kind of know about the investment before you know they know what they're looking for before they come to the table mm-hmm. so they know they're readily prepared right. for it so i think it's going to be really exciting in the next few years to see some of these counties uh get up and running on on this uh, uh cci initiative so it'll be fun all right, let's get a quick break in. We'll come back with more. J.R. Davis is our guest, governor's spokesman. He's in the studio today. Val Emmons is here. I'm here. we got a lot more to talk about on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yeah, you're arrogant. I'm not. Like, Zach wrote, like, I sent Zach some script, and then he added to it. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. And I get to the bottom, it's like, don't let this pretty fit. Uh. So what, I was like, okay, well. And then you said, you said it, so you I must know, agree no, with it. I don't agree. Look, my face is getting all red. I'm not arrogant <laughs> like that. I just... <laughs> 
zero in on her face, no, Sarah. No, it's getting red. <laughs> <I'm embarrassed. laughs> anyway, you know, if you hate paying taxes now, and who doesn't, just wait until you withdraw money from your IRA, 401k, and other retirement accounts because there's this thing called a required minimum distribution. And that can force you to withdraw money from uh, your accounts whether you want to or not. It could trigger an avalanche of taxes and every year could get more and more expensive. David Lucas specializes in strategies that can help you reduce those taxes and save you thousands of dollars. Published author, host of the David Lucas Show here on 101. Uh, the answer, if you've saved at least $200,000 for retirement, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free review now at 501 501- 653-6690 if you want to learn how you could save thousands in taxes on that IRA or 401k call 501-653-6690 you know I didn't even know there was such a thing as a required minimum um, distribution and I was talking to somebody about it and said yeah you I think it's like like not you get like 70 years old and all of a sudden, the government can start saying, you've got to take money out because we, we want your money. Todd Starnes is up. Let's listen to what he has to say. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, J.R. Davis, our guest here on the, the show. Uh, we, we've been talking about the uh, number of people uh, that uh, they've lost off of Arkansas Works. About close to if we rounded it up, be 4,000. But that's before we get into the work requirement, mm-hmm. which comes up at the beginning in June. Now, you all sent out a letter already. I mean, what does what does the letter basically say to people? It just notifies uh, everyone um, within that group that they're um, moving starting June 1 and just letting them know that they need to go in and see if they're exempt, number one, uh, and then basically just letting them know how the process works and what they need to do starting June 1. Uh, and moving forward, so it's a lot of notification they're sending out. I think I think it's three different waves, um, and they're doing it through multiple channels. So it's really making sure people are notified. Um, and and really at this point, you know, an individual really wouldn't have an excuse uh, with the amount of time uh, and and different avenues that they're trying to communicate with them. So it's just really gearing all that up over the last month and over the next two months. Um, to make sure people understand what's happening starting June 1. And if so. they are working, they continue to receive right. the Medicaid. Yep. But yep. if they're not working and they don't want to get work, then they do not no longer they no longer get Medicaid. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's, it's three months. So they have to fail for three months of the calendar year. But once they do that, once they fail to do that over uh, those three months, then they're locked out for the rest of the calendar year. So okay. unlike Kentucky... Yeah. Good. Well, unlike Kentucky, you can work your way back on. You can't in Arkansas. Okay, I have one question, though. Yeah. What about their children? Will they still get our kids? Well, so that's part of the exemption. If you have, you have to be a um, an, an individual, able-bodied, of working age with no dependents. So if you have dependents, you're still able to uh, receive uh, those benefits. And that's part of it. But most of the time it means because if you have your single mom and you're working. I was a single mom and I worked. Right. Well, and I understand that. But in some cases, if you're a single mom in a rural part of Arkansas and you're working a couple of different jobs but not necessarily meeting uh, those hours per week or you can't because you have kids, it's just those types of things. And that's from the federal government. A lot of these, our waiver had to, had to obviously go in line with what the federal government would allow. Um, so those, all of those stipulations are part of what the uh, uh, the uh, 
Trump administration would allow. Um, but again, I think the fact of the matter is you've got a lot of those uh, Arkansans out there that meet those specifications and will have to work uh, and show that they are, um, you know, in worker training, working or volunteering or full time student. And if that's the case, that's part of some of that worker training mm-hmm. aspect of it. So we can get them back. Well, as long as the kids are covered, I'm OK. Yeah, no, the kids like are that, covered. That was a, yep. a, yeah. yeah, the kids no, are they covered. They shouldn't so. be punished. Because no, right. No, absolutely. Right, because their parents are lazy or whatever. Lazy or or stupid. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. All right. So a couple of questions have come in. Okay. Uh, that I've gotten. It says, uh, isn't AEDC the entity involved in uh, GIFT? GIFT, you mean? GIF. No, those they are, mean GIF. Yeah, they're talking about GIF funds. Those yeah. are the local economic development um, arms. It's not necessarily AEDC. So okay. it's a different thing. It's where that's where I know they're talking about the, obviously, the, the, continuing coverage up in northwest arkansas the john woods trial um but that is where i think through former uh gif no longer exists but the way it was worked before i think they went through some of these economic development arms uh in those regions and basically just kind of directed where that money went uh versus uh at least according to the reports from the trial that that's that's how that worked is that the legislators kind of you know, direct where that money would go. Yeah. But it's not AEDC. Moved around on it. Yeah. Okay, and then another question. What happens if they don't? I think we've already uh, answered that. Right. How is it enforced, and who will report numbers? Yeah, and I know, Dave, you've asked to bring someone on from DHS, and I can certainly do that when you get back. The un- My understanding from everything is they have to have documentation. They go through this portal online, and they have to provide how many hours they worked, where they worked, the address. So there's fact-checking involved with DHS staff. They can call these individuals, make sure that they're uh, they're employed, number one. They're working the hours they said they're working. Uh, if it's in worker training, they have to have the cert- certification from that worker training program mm-hmm. that they have to submit for how many hours they were volunteer program the same way so if you you know volunteer for uh, you know uh, uh, Salvation Army or something like that that you have to have uh, uh, you have to have um, uh, your hours documents like yeah, you have to have documents right. from the Salvation Army saying you work this many mm-hmm. hours and sign and that sort of thing so no, I think that's that's great so yeah so you've got it but it's it's personal responsibility you've yeah. got to go in every single month uh, to that portal and submit all that documentation and the DHS will obviously that's where the accountability factor comes in and they can follow up with all that information because here's so the thing I don't, out. I don't think a lot of people have a problem with helping people that are trying to help right. themselves right and that's what this is about exactly and, and again it's it goes back to the philosophy that the governor believes that everyone wants to work it's just the it's not everyone obviously but most arkansans want to work it's just being connected mm-hmm. to those opportunities and how knowing how it's so difficult you know you can't yeah. just walk in and hand them your resume or fill not out anymore. a job you go anymore. online typically. yeah and then you have right. to wait and wait and wait like when i was out of a job it took six months i'd get a i'd get a letter saying i'm sorry we filled that position right. okay six months later right and i think <laughs> yeah and, and that's a good point and, and i think part of it too is to say you know if you know, jr davis we have your uh, skill set. We know your right. education. This is what you'd be really good at. But also, they can point individuals to a certain training program. When they get that certification, right. they become more something uh, people are looking for. Yeah, they get more sought in after. Right. Yeah, in, in that position. And so it's it's really about making it's really investing in these individuals and making sure they're connected to work and it Helping betters you the state, it betters the economy, uh, and allows us to bring in some you know big companies that are saying that maybe right now Arkansas doesn't have the workforce they're looking for. We know we do. We just want to make sure we can get that on paper and show them that. 
our our folks are are being trained and and they're more than capable and i think we have an incredible reputation of hard work here in the state of arkansas and so we want to promote that and so all of the things we're doing is is part of that workforce initiative all right jr davis our guest he's spokesman for the governor's office uh Last question on this, and and that is, you said if they don't report three times, right? Okay, each time they don't report, will you are you guys going to like follow that up with a letter and say, hey, yeah, you know, yeah, there'll we're be talking, a notification. This is there'll be a we're not messing around here. Absolutely. So obviously, we're we're it's a different situation here because we're implementing it June one, but on a regular calendar year, if you know Dave Ellswick misses the first. Um, report, you'll be notified saying, hey, you've missed the first report. And second one, you missed the second report. And, each and if time, you missed this last each one, time, look out. Right. Each yeah. time is if you miss this, hey, if you miss it two more times, you're done. Second, you miss it again, you're done. The third time it happens, they're done for the calendar year and they can't, uh, you know, uh, get back on until the next calendar year and they're held to the same standards. So. Okay. What's the calendar year? Well, January to one. December. Yeah, January 1, December 31st. So okay. if, if you, uh, let's say you... Not fiscal. You, you miss January, you make February, you miss March, and you miss April, you're done in June for the rest of the year. So okay. that's, that's the... That's the uh, and again, these, these, these stipulations come from the federal government that we have to incorporate in that waiver, um, but it gives people an opportunity that if they, if they miss the first time, okay, well, you, you get a second opportunity. If you miss for the second time, you know that the third time's it, and you're done for the rest of the year, and you won't have health coverage. So. You know, I think it's great because it's a benefit. And you, just like when you go and you get welfare, food stamps, unemployment, right. you have to report that you're unemployment every week. This yeah. is once a month, right? Right, exactly. It's once a month. And, and, the, and the real point of it is, too, it's number one, you give people an opportunity. You want to give them chances to get it right. Um, so that's part of that process. But at, the end, uh, but at the end of it, if you don't do this over a three-month period of time, then, you know. You're you've choosing. Had, you've, yeah, that's a choice you've made. And so the state takes you off the rolls, and then you can apply for it again starting the next year. But, um, you know, I think that this is this is the teeth we've talked about, Dave, is mm-hmm. that this is this is we want people to work who are able to work, should be working. Uh, and once they do that and they're hooked up with a job, um, you know, there's, there's studies all over the place that talk about when people are out there working and, and, and doing something and have a, a purpose in life, uh, it makes their life better. Um, including their health as well. Well, not only um, that, but they'll get if they're on a job and then they go and they get permanent, they'll get benefits there, and we can take them off the right, rolls. Right, right. So it improves. It shows that it makes a drastic improvement if people are connected to work and they're working on a daily basis. Um, you know, but it also uh, uh, strengthens our economy as a state and our workforce, so we can do more of what we want to do in the years to come. Now they're taking this up federally now aren't they are they not talking about work requirements yes and i believe that there's a uh i think there's a the oral arguments in i think maybe june for kentucky's medicaid uh waiver and and obviously arkansas as we've talked about is is uh, more stringent uh than kentucky's um but we will be the first state to actually implement the work requirement so i think a lot of eyes will uh, be on Arkansas June 1 and, and for the rest of the year just to see how this is working. We are very uh, optimistic and confident in what we've built um, and, and how that will go about. But I think really and truly this, you know, the liberals will point to it and say it's punitive. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely not. Will. It's personal you responsibility. But it's also <laughs> connecting because, again, we're not just saying here it is, you've got to work and that's right. it. We're saying you've got to work 
or do worker training or volunteer, and those are avenues to full-time employment. But worker training is key because what we are saying is we are taking someone and we are going to provide them with the skills they need to get a job. And that is a huge, huge part of this entire initiative. We want people in uh, the workforce. You feed, what is it that saying, Dave? You feed a, you feed a a man? Teach him, give a man a fish each for a day, teach him how to fish. He eats for a yep. There you go. So this is this is important, and this goes back three and a half years. Everything the governor has done has been about economic development, whether it's through tax cuts or workforce initiatives or work requirements through uh, Arkansas Works. It all comes back to making our state uh, stronger as an economy and building a workforce that we can compete with our southern neighbors for uh, big-time uh, investments in yep. the state. We've already had a lot of investments from out of the state. We've expanded a lot of local businesses here in the state. We are on, uh, I think, the numbers when you see that uh, over the last year we've reached the highest employment in our history, we've reached the lowest unemployment mm-hmm. rate in our history. Uh, that's a great trend, but we've got to continue to build on it. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. There's no staying the same, and we want to compete. And we want to compete with the Texases of the world, the Floridas, the Tennessees, Alabamas. Alabama has a knack for bringing in some of those big uh, automobiles industries we want the same thing and, and i think we can i think we're close right. to it i think i think the governor's doing a great job in that aspect and right. i i completely you have to have economic development or you will fail as a yeah got to keep moving state. forward another yes. another text to me uh it says don't mention my name i happen to know who this is okay? <laughs> they don't want me to well that's always that that's always a but a ask start ask jr if they have an estimated number for how many won't do what they have to do well, that goes back to what we talked about before yeah. about the the numbers on uh, on how many. Basically, I think the question you're is how many are going to try to bring somebody in right? to talk about. So you're that, saying right? how many people aren't going to be responsible and do right. what they need to do? That's right. and something again, I that think, you're going to have to wait till the numbers come. Yeah, in. and I'll be happy to bring someone in from DHS that can um, uh, go over some of those. But the simple answer is we got to wait and see. Yeah, uh, obviously there will be. Uh, there will be a deduction in the roles just simply because there will be some people who make the conscious decision not, not to I'm work. I'm not going to do this. Um, so yeah. you will see a drop in the roles. But what we want to see is the continued program integrity of the system that those who are on it should be and those who are not aren't. And that's on a monthly continual basis. So we enforce that program integrity aspect. But we also want these people to get a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like Val said, if they are connected to work and then they go on their empo- uh, their employer's uh, health benefits, I mean, all of that, it's upward uh, mobility uh, in this system. How, could you, how can you diss that? Like, I don't right. understand how liberals can say, because you yeah. know they will. Yeah, you we, know that we they're going to say, oh, you, you're just trying to make it harder for poor people right. to get it. No, again, it's called personal responsibility. Right. You have to do your taxes every year, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think, again, that liberals the, don't believe in personal responsibility. <laughs> the important part they of this. They sure want those taxes that we pay, though. Yeah. yeah. And connecting these two, and I, I really think the most important part of this is not just the work requirement. This is not something we're just throwing out there. We're saying it's a work requirement, but we want to help you get right. a job. Right. And that's the whole point of this. But they and, won't see it that way, JR. You know how they're right. going to see it. You'd, you're just making it harder that is punitive but those individuals who are medically frail that have dependents that are not a working age they're not required uh, i mean they're they're exempt and there are quite a few exemptions you know whether someone you know whether there's a a, um, uh, uh, 
whether you're pregnant, um, like I said before, your dependence, if you're medically frail, if you're caring for you know an elderly mm-hmm. uh, you know mother or father or something like that. So there's there are protections there that should be there, but at the same time, again, I can't say this enough: if you are able-bodied of working age, <laughs> why with no dependence, you, you should be working. Right. And we want to say, and we want to take the excuse off the table that there's no jobs in my community. That's what we want to do. We want to build those jobs. We want to help uh, provide an environment in Arkansas where outside investment mm-hmm. wants to come in and say, we can build our company here. We can expand here in Arkansas. And I think that works for the good of the individual and for the state. I got to get to a break. Have him on your show on Saturday. He ain't going to get out of bed on Saturday at 2 o'clock. I bet you you get him to call in and answer any question that you have for him. All right, J.R. Davis has got one more segment with us. When we come back, I want to talk about the uh, homestead tax and what the governor has brought up about that. We've just got a few moments to do that. Let's get to it after this on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you last few moments with J.R. Davis, uh, the governor's spokesman. Uh, it, we've only got eight minutes left in the program here, so let's get to the question. Uh, just came out this week, uh, I think it was Monday, picture in the paper that the governor was going to ask that the uh, homestead uh, refund be raised by $25 uh, a, a citizen. Yeah, so right now it's at 350 It's the homestead tax credit uh, that... Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of Arkansans uh, get every single year, but this will move it from 350 to 375. Uh, and basically, there is a um, a fund. It's called. Uh, let me see here. Is that for inflation purposes? Yeah, it's the, the Property Tax Relief Trust Fund, um, which basically builds up over the year. There's a half cent sales tax on it that, that that's been forever, but it builds this fund up. And, uh, and the governor worked with the Arkansas Association of Counties uh, to say, okay, what can we do here? Uh, this was a recommendation. We looked at the analysis. We're like, absolutely, there's something we can do. We want to do it. Um, so this just goes along with, you know, wherever we can provide some sort of tax relief to Arkansas citizens, we want to be able to do it. So this bumps it up from 350 to 375. It would need legislation uh, to um, implement it, and that's what we will do in 2019 for sure, uh, along with the governor's um, goal to cut income taxes by $180 million. All right, let me ask the question. Yeah. It seems to me that, as I read the article about mm-hmm. that, that, what it says is this is uh, money that the counties have that is over and above what they need, basically, that this uh, homestead payment comes out of the counties, but the state reimburses them for it? Reimburses the counties because it's a – what we want to do is to be able to provide relief to those individuals who, you know, that are that are eligible for the homestead tax credit. So what we do is the, the – it exempts them from that money, and so the state has this fund that we give back to the counties to re- reimburse them, uh, not for, uh, my understanding, the total cost of it, but allows them to obviously have some of that revenue to continue those county operations. But um, that's what this trust fund has been. Uh, this will be an $18 million uh, tax cut uh, when it's all said and done, when that when that passes. So um, so anyway, it's it's a, a good thing for Arkansans. Obviously, Dave, I'm sure you've paid attention to the story up in north-central Arkansas with the uh, $18 per parcel yes. deal up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the governor obviously had those folks in mind. When the we way to this. get their money back. Yeah, we want to be able to get their money back while that plays itself out up there. And, and so the governor 
notice that. He worked with the counties on this, and uh, and that's where we are, and we want to move forward with it on, in 2019. 2019 is going to be an exciting time. We've got government transformation. You know, the governor's talked about slashing cabinet agencies from 42 to less than 20. They got a $180 million uh, tax cut that he wants to implement. Uh, we've got the homestead tax uh, credit increase. And then, of course, everything that's going on right now with the uh, tax relief and reform task force. We'll see what comes out of there. But we're, it's it's an exciting time to be a conservative in the state of Arkansas. And I think 2019 is going to have a lot of uh, fun legislation that people are going to be interested in. Yeah, I had Alan Clark on yesterday, of course. He's no. state senator, made the statement that 2019 is going to be one of those great years where everybody's going to cuss and discuss about a whole <laughs> lot of things. You know, he's, he's, he's absolutely right. That's the way it should be. Um, and I'll go back through. I mean, the last three and a half years, we've, we've done, you know, reform efforts every single session. We've cut taxes every single session. Um, and then we've built up to this point because when you cut $150 million, what you don't want to do is put yourself in a situation like Kansas where you've, you really handicap your, yourself from those essential services. Well, they did it wrong. They did it wrong. And it was fast. But I think mm-hmm. states and states that do it responsibly can learn from Kansas. They were one of the first. So states need to learn from that. When we have $150 million in tax cuts, and true tax cuts, they're not made up by anything else. You want to make sure how the state, how, how we absorb that, how mm-hmm. we can work with that. So I think we've done all of this. Same thing with transformation efforts. We've moved, we've merged a lot of of uh, agencies into other agencies. A good example is uh, building authority and the lottery were moved into DFNA. That one move alone eliminated about 30 positions in each of those agencies. And so uh, same thing with rural services in the Department of Economic Development. Uh, that saved about, uh, they're, uh, they estimated about $10 million over five years, that, or four years. They're way ahead of that already. So just with the elimination of some of those administrative costs. So we've done a lot of these things throughout the last three and a half years leading up to this point where we want to say, okay, we've seen how it works. We know how we can do more of this, and we feel confident moving forward that we can do a lot of this Mm -hmm. responsibly for the state, and that's what you're going to see in 2019. So it's really, really exciting. We've done a lot of the homework. Uh, We've done some of those pilot systems. I'd call $150 million in tax cuts more than just a pilot, (laughs) but you want to make sure you can absorb it. And so 2019 is going to be a lot of fun because I think there's going to be a lot of really great legislation for the people of Arkansas to provide relief, not only on uh, taxes, but also economic development so it's going to be a lot of fun well coming up at uh, 4 30 uh you've already heard it if you've been driving home from work at this time perhaps if you didn't then you need to go watch it on facebook live slash dave ellswick show we're going to talk about tort reform uh, with a gentleman and i think a lot depends on if that happens or does not happen if it depended upon what happens in November. Yeah, whether issue one passes or not. That's going to be. And the arguments for and against are, uh, you know, interesting to say the least. JR, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming in. Uh, Val will be filling in with me uh, for me next week. Uh, she'll be here if you want to come on in. Yep. Join her. We'll plan on it. All right. I'm Sounds good. Stages Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Val. Yeah. <laughs> you can do Niagara Falls. Hey, don't yeah. forget those discs. Oh, yeah. yeah I'll get I'll do one for you. I will bring them All right, to buddy. you. Thanks, All guys. right. So, Dave Ellswick Show, uh, we've got Fox News coming your way in just a moment. Niagara Falls. Goes right along with that picture. Huh? I'm just saying. All right. It's Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, let me remind you, I just got uh, uh, some information yesterday. As you know, I work very closely with Americans for Prosperity. Uh, They're having the Arkansas Tax Reform Forum, and that's happening tonight 
6 30 p.m at the embassy suites in west little rock uh the speakers at this event uh dr jeremy uh, horpendahl of acre ryan norris the uh, uh, state director of americans for prosperity and the topic tonight arkansas tax reform uh, i'm sure they'll be taking up some of the things that they've been hearing through uh the the wonderful world of the tax task force and uh, talking about that may i don't know if they're going to show it or not but they did a um, i think akash and uh, ryan did a uh, interview uh with hendron and uh, uh lane jean about uh tax reform uh and what's going on and what they're hoping to be able to succeed in doing i had Teresa oki on last week on friday talking about that uh specifically here on the dave ellswick show but this is at six thirty tonight at the embassy suites in west little rock uh it's arkansas tax reform forum there's going to be a, a q a after their presentation so you can ask a bunch of questions and i suggest uh that you show up and uh, you pepper them with all kinds of questions so that uh, we can get as much information out as possible. Again, Dr. Jeremy uh, uh, Horpendahl uh, from over at uh, UCA uh, from Acre will be here along with Ryan Norrison. Uh, Jeremy does a great job, really does give a really good presentation about all of this. Uh, 4.30 here on my show. Uh, one of the people that'll be uh, joining us, AJ Ferrate, is going to be here. He's the vice president of regulatory affairs for Oklahoma's uh, Independent Petroleum Association. He's going to join us for a half hour and talk about tort reform. So we'll be talking about uh, that as well. There, we have uh, another gentleman that's coming on. What is this? Walk for the waiting. Is that correct? That's He's with Immerse Arkansas, yeah, talking mm-hmm. about walk for the waiting. Is that's Eric, ta- he'll be in that's dealing about adoption and stuff, correct? Immerse is an organization, yeah, they they work with children. I got the, their, uh, I got his card right here. I remember when he was on. Didn't yeah. even know about his organization. It's a great organization. Yeah, there are three organizations here in the state that, that work for uh, children who are in the foster care system. Uh, of course, the call we talk about, um, and we also talk about this organization, Immerse Arkansas, this is those a, kids this is who special. are aging out Yeah, of they're coming out of care, it. And they work with those kids who are growing into now adults and are still in the foster care system but are transitioning into their adult lives now. And they are, all, for all intents and purposes, they're the parents for these children who are growing up in in the care of DHS, and they don't have a family to go to because they've been in the foster care system as long as they've been in, and they just have not, for whatever reason, been adopted. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really – that's a tough time. That's, it's a very tough time. That's and being they, stuck between a rock waiting, and a hard Dave, place. Walk for the Waiting isn't just for Immerse, Arkansas. It's for the call. And uh, there, there is one other organization out there. Name is escaping me right now, and Christy's going to call me and beat me over the head with it when I when. Please do. I want to watch. 
That would be fun. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. But, uh, yeah, the, the, this whole thing with Immerse, they, this is a great group, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with them. Eric Gilmore is the executive director. He'll be on for a half hour in the 4 o'clock hour, the first half hour. He'll be on with us, and then at 4.30 uh, we'll talk to A.J. Ferrari and talk about tort reform. So all of that's coming your way yet here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, 4 o'clock. Uh, age, you know, we'll, we'll be talking to the man again, J.R. Davis, be on with us, and we'll be talking to him. Uh, we play that for you so that uh, you can hear all the information that he passed out. Lot today, that hour, a lot of information uh, was uh, shared with us. Don't forget about Safari Pets at 808 West Main in Cabot. I hope uh, this last weekend on Saturday you were over at Safari Pets taking advantage of all the sales and special deals that they have uh, because of their 17th annual anniversary sale, uh, where you also got to pick up one item that maybe you really, really had been wanting but needed a little, have it come in a little bit cheaper. Well, that item was 50% off. All I know is I drove by, because, you know, I lived out in Cabot, and I drove by there. I guess it must have been maybe 2 o'clock net place. I'm telling you what, Ross, it was crawling with people. There are people everywhere. In fact, I saw I didn't stop because, you know, when you're the owner of some place and you're having something like that and you're covered up with people, the last person you want to see is somebody like me, you know, walking up going, hey, how's it going? And, you know, they want. Oh, my, it's Dave Ellsworth. Yeah, the yeah we, we want to look around and, and, you know, he wants to look around. And he says, can't you see for yourself? You know, that kind of thing. He was heading out, uh, looked like the uh, uh, the animal shelter had their dogs there uh, for adoption Saturday, and people were heading out there, and he looked like he was going out to unlock unlock it, open it up so you could look in and see the dogs. So that's what, what John was doing, and I was not going to bother him while he had, it looked to be about 30 people following him. Yeah, I'm sure you know? they were filled um, yeah, I'm thinking if you walked in, you you've been blank to elbows to blank. You know, you guys who are in the military know what I'm talking about. So no you know, a it. lot of people say it. No. Say it <laughs> no, because nobody would hear it because you would press the button on me. You're right. <laughs> no, I'm right. But anyway, uh, you need to get out to Safari Pets. I mean, it is the largest independent pet store in Arkansas. They're located in Cabot. They're uh, opening a new location in Conway. I'll be notifying you of that exact location here in the next few weeks. Uh, I think about four weeks we'll be seeing it open up in Conway. And uh, I'm going to try to set up where I go out just out of my, just wanting to be out there when it happens, uh, go out and, and uh, do my show from there. But they got everything you could ever want at Safari Pets for a pet, whether it's a regular pet or if it's an exotic. I mean, they've got the hedgehogs and the chinchillas and all the saltwater fish and all of the uh, saltwater aquariums. They've got all of the reptiles that you could ever want, the snakes. They got cats, all that. They have all of it. Then they got everything you need to be able to take care of your pet or pets. What now? You know what the cats have fun with out there? What's that? The rats. (laughs) <laughs> they don't get to them I know they're, they're down at the other end of that aisle but the bottom line is 
uh, here's the other thing that sets them apart. You know, a lot of pet stores you go to, like the big box stores, uh, you get to look at the pets through the glass. And then there's always a sign that says, don't pick on the glass, you know. Uh, at Safari Pets, they like their their animals to get, like, uh, used to being held. So they'll let your kids handle the pets. You get to handle, you know, if you want to hold a hedgehog, they'll get a hedgehog out. You want to hold a ferret, they'll get a ferret out. Or a rat, a snake. Uh, I don't know if they get the tarantulas out or not. I just know that typically. I have no doubt that they would get it out. Yeah, probably so. Uh, get it out and let you see if you really want what it is that you're looking at. Guinea pigs and all the rest, gerbils. You know, those are those jumping mice. They of course, can you want to have fun. Jump. Wait till Dave shows up out there. Yeah, then get, get the tarantula. Yeah, get the tarantula. Out of the cage. You'll see me leave my broadcast table if you walk up with it very quickly. <laughs> Hate spiders, I really do. But that's Safari Pets, 808 West Main in Cabot. Uh, they're going to be open, of course, this weekend. Uh, Strawberry Fest is going on in Cabot this weekend, I believe. So a lot of people will be downtown. You'll want to go to that. And uh, while you're in Cabot, make sure you pick up some Holland Bottoms, fresh strawberries out at Holland Bottom Farms. I'll tell you about that later on in the show. 6280067 is their number safari-pet.com it's amazing what a little bit of creative editing can do that was out of an interview that i did on a totally different subject creepy yeah creepy talking about creepy comey <laughs> that's what, that's what it was about it was about comey that was that former uh uh, uh federal prosecutor for uh, doj talking about yep. him all right, so today, here's breaking news for you. It happened today. The Justice Department's Office of the Inspector General, I've had this story for over an hour, and I haven't talked about it at all, uh, so this is important to talk about. The Justice Department's Office of the Inspector General has sent a criminal referral for former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe to the United States Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. Inspector General Michael Horowitz released a report last week on McCabe, which stated that McCabe, quote, lacked candor on, you know, quote, on four different occasions. That is a nice way of saying he lied. All right. He lied on four different occasions. He perjured himself. Horowitz's report also said that McCabe was not authorized to disclose the existence of the FBI's investigation into the Clinton Foundation because it did not meet the Justice Department's requirements of being public interest because he allegedly leaked the information to, quote, advance his own personal interests, unquote. And this is out of the letter to DOJ. Here's what it says. Lastly, we determined that as Deputy Director, McCabe was authorized to disclose the existence of the Clinton Foundation investigations publicly if such a disclosure fell within the, quote, public interest exemption in applicable FBI and DOJ policies generally prohibiting such a disclosure of an ongoing investigation. However, we concluded that McCabe's decision to confirm the existence of the CF investigation, Clinton Foundation, uh, through an anonymously sourced quote recounting the content of a phone call 
with a senior department official in a manner designed to advance his personal interests at the expense of the department leadership was clearly not within the public interest exemption. We therefore concluded that McCabe's disclosure of the existence of an ongoing investigation in this manner violated the FBI's and the department's media policy and constituted misconduct. So uh, that from uh, that uh, report uh, by uh, Horowitz. In March, Attorney General Jeff Sessions had fired McCabe, prompting McCabe to state, quote, this attack on my credibility is one part of a larger effort not just to slander me personally, but to taint the FBI, law enforcement, and intelligence professionals more generally. It is a part of this administration's ongoing war on the FBI and the efforts of the special counsel investigation which continue to this day. Their persistence in this campaign only highlights the importance of the special counsel's work. So here's what we know now. McCabe got his hands caught in a cookie jar. McCabe lied about other things and got caught in those lies And he's trying to pass this off as just an attack on his credibility to keep him from getting his pension. And since it's a now criminal referral to keep his butt out of jail. So just keep all that in mind. And uh, that's all I have. It's a developing story. I'm sure we'll get more information on it as it becomes uh, available. Yesterday, I told you this story about this leftist professor at uh, Fresno State. And uh, Rush took this up a little bit. I'd like to go back on his show and talk a little bit about about, about it. Uh, because this woman is disgusting. She sh- there's no way she should be. You remember when teachers... and. and, and used to always wear shirts and ties and slacks, nice shoes. The only people that showed up in shorts or anything were like the gym teachers. Uh, and, and they always had, you know, polo shirts on and they looked really professional. I mean, we've gotten away from that in, in many instances, some teachers still, uh, dress that way. Other teachers don't, they, they dress down to try to be able, they think, to uh, talk to their students better, re, you know, make better inroads in communicating with their students by, you know, wearing blue jeans and, and the ilk. Uh, I mean, I when I went to, to high school, I don't remember uh, school teachers that didn't wear suits uh, when they were in the class and the women were wearing dresses. They didn't even wear pantsuits or anything. They were, they were uh, very professionally dressed. And uh, they set themselves apart from the students and not try to become the student's best friend, so to speak. Well, that's not the case anymore. So uh, Rush went after this lady. He spent some time 
yesterday addressing this debacle at Fresno State involving this radical left professor who has stirred up an outrage over her full-throated celebration of the uh, death of Barbara Bush and the suffering of the Bush family. Rather than just being some unhinged wacko, said Limbaugh, Fresno State's tenured faculty member, Randa Jara, is uh, classically representative of today's American left. Let's just kind of follow this with Rush. Limbaugh led in, uh, to, to his discussion of her by showing his online viewers a charming picture of the babe flipping off the camera at an Asian American writer's workshop. Quote, he says, that's the professor flipping off the photographer with her middle finger, clarifying that she's, quote, not pregnant, by the way. It was a nice way of him not saying she's intensely overweight. Uh, Limbaugh explained that while Jera is clearly very angry, she's recently found a reason to spread some of her hate-inspired joy. So Rush then read a direct quote, State Professor Celebrates Barbara Bush, Bush's Death, from one of her tweets uh, by Fresno State's fine faculty member that's caused the stir. Let me read what the lady said. Either you are against these pieces of excrement, and she didn't use excrement, but she used the one that starts with S and ends with T, and they're genocidal ways, or you're part of the problem. That's actually how simple this is. I'm happy the witch is dead. Can't wait for the rest of her family to fall to their demise the way a million and a half Iraqis have. Bye. Limbaugh noted that Fresno State initially signal signaled that she was uh, that she wouldn't be punished in any way for her tweets, which included openly racist statements, declarations that she's untouchable because she's tenured, and a potentially school policy violating reference to Arizona State's emergency crisis line. No big deal. We're not going to do anything to her, unquote, Limbaugh said, paraphrasing the university's initial response. It is now suggesting that she might be in some trouble. Said Limbaugh, this is a very angry, unhappy woman. uh, And it's not some outliner among the left. I think that woman is classically representative of today's American left. They're demented. They are deranged and they're getting worse. 25, 30 years ago when this program started, if anyone in public had wished somebody dead, it would get you fired. It would ruin your reputation. You would be shunned. You would become so stigmatized. Today, people on the left are applauded. They are supported, and they are effectively given medals for this kind of stuff. And then he went in and spelled out her name for everybody. Endowed with plenty of room to harbor all that hate, he suggested that the tenured professor has let that hate continue, building and building and intensifying and intensifying, and then she takes it out on her students at Fresno State. Quote, this uh, professor is probably a microcosm of the American left today and the Democratic Party, which thinks that it is going to sweep to a landslide blue wave victory in November. And then he talked about the description of the American left's agenda 
which I'll come back and read to you uh, when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. I don't typically uh, go out to quote Rush. He does a great job himself, uh, but this is well worth reading again because I read another story today about the blue wave that's going to come in and going to wash Republicanism away. I think they're absolutely crazy. November will tell, though. All right, Fox News is coming up. Then I'll come back and finish up this story, and then we get some special guests at 4 o'clock. All right, so let's get back to uh, check in on uh, the rest of this story I was reading about Rush because he's absolutely right in here, talking about a description of uh, the secularists uh, or the American left or the progressives or the Democrats, whatever you want to call them. They're all the same. It's the same moniker. It's the same people. What is their agenda? What is the platform of this group? This leftist cabal that think they run the country, look at what they're doing now. They're depending on a line porn star hooker to somehow help them get rid of Donald Trump after their fake Russia investigation failed to convince the American public that it was true. And now we have a narcissistic and very bitchy type of former FBI director who's running around trying to make all of this about him in that he's the last Boy Scout. He's the last honorable guy. And he's doing what he can to save America in this regard. They continue to invest and support Planned Parenthood, which is a baby-killing organization for which they're very proud and supportive. They believe in raising taxes. They don't like this last tax cut. They think it ought to be taken away. And last but not least, they're going out of their way to protect illegal immigrants over American citizens. And somehow, these people, with this uh, professoretta from uh, Fresno State, kind of today leading the way, think this is what's going to deliver them a landslide victory, a blue wave. They're so out of it. They don't even have any awareness of the other America that is actually making the country work, who those people are and what their values are because they hate them. They resent them. They hate them and resent them simply because those people oppose them in the left. It's that's just I could I you know, he says so many things so right, and I have no problem quoting him on that because it's exactly how I feel as well. I just got done with my life group teaching about, you know, back in the day we used to call them the humanists. But the humanists, secularists, leftists, progressives, Democrats, uh, they're all the same. They all believe the exact same thing. You know, they, they honestly believe killing a baby up until the point before its head crowns from the, a, a woman's uh, birth canal is okay. In fact, the Democrat Party, if you don't agree to, uh, you know, killing unborn children... Uh, you probably won't get uh, any kind of backing from the Democratic Party. They expect you to believe in that bloodletting. They believe in uh, gender fluidity. They believe in gay marriage. 
and they've convinced many of you it's some kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, freedom of expression thing. And, and, and it's not even part of the Constitution. It's made out of, it, it is cloth that is made out of thin air. It is the uh, bottom line. It, it is the, um, the left is so far gone from the playing field now that they've left the stadium. It's the way they are. It's what they believe. So what I say, why I say a lot of the things that I do about people who say, well, I'm a Democrat. And I, I start asking them, do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? And they say, no. And I say, well, that's, but that's the platform of the Democrat party. Oh, they call it reproductive rights. That's a nice way of saying it's okay to kill a baby. That's exactly what that is. Reproductive rights. Because, you know, they don't think that baby is uh, an individual until it's born. And guess what? Even then, if you press people on the left, the progressive secularists, if you press them, if there's something wrong with that child, they'll say, should be able to make the decision. Like if the child's born with spina bifida, just sit it over in the corner. Let it die. Won't take long. A couple hours. That's all that has to happen. That, my friend, is who these people are. Honest, I, I'd have no doubt in my mind about that at all. None. Zero. Zip. All right. Daryl wants to talk to me. Hey, Daryl, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm, I'm doing good. Dave, how you doing? Dave? I'm good. I, just, I got a question. For you. I keep hearing all this of uh, how all the left, y'all talk, the left, the left, the left, the left, everybody. I used to be a Democrat, I think. I was a Democrat, but then Trump come along, and I, I kind of like a lot of stuff he's done. So I don't know where i kind of on the fence here or there. I, I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Hillary. You know, but... I like what he did, but and I got several other people that do too that what that were Democrats. So we're not all we're not all like you say we are. Well, you're not a Democrat anymore. I mean, did you did you you know? Here's my key: Why would you support a party that believes that it's all right to kill a baby uh, in a mother's womb? Well, I agree. That's I agree with that one hundred percent. Okay, why would you think, why would you want to be part of a party? that not last year's uh, Democrat uh, convention, but, but the, the four years ago uh, when, when Obama was president, uh, if you watch the video, you can tell that they wanted to strike God from their platform, didn't want God even mentioned in their platform. Well, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of us, like me, who, 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 that word, because I guess we're Democrats. Well, that's 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 the operative word here. Were, and yeah, that's why I, that's why Trump won is because of people like you. I like I, I didn't like I said I didn't vote for him. I didn't vote for Hillary. I didn't want her. But why did uh, why didn't you vote for, if you like Trump? Why didn't you vote for him? Well, at that particular time, I, I just didn't like the campaign he ran against everybody. But I didn't like Gil Rader, and I couldn't stand Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I kind of, 
But uh, I listen to y'all every day. All, all three of y'all, Ellswood, you, and uh, the one comes on there at eleven. I can't remember his name right now. But you're talking about Sh- uh, was it Walsh? No, uh, Hanny. Oh, you listen no, to Hannity? Hannity? Okay. Not Hanny, but uh, I can't. I, I Larry can't Elder. I'm just going through. Oh, you listen to Gallagher. I was in the Gallagher in the morning. Dennis Prager. Yeah, Gallagher in the morning Dennis now. Prager. Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager, yeah. okay. Well, we named Prager. everybody. <laughs> you, but, you know, and everybody just keeps saying left. Call them a, call them a Democrat. Everybody just the left, 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 left. Well, call I just. Democrat. Yeah, well, that's what they, they are. Dem- that's, as you heard me say, it doesn't matter what you call them. See, they've gone through a, 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 you know, a long list of names. Humanist. Uh, secularist, I'm all, and all of those, and basically, it's the Democrat Party, no doubt. But it, it blows my mind because I've got an open mind, and I can sit there, I can listen to anybody, and I can, you know, I take what I want, and I will leave the rest, you know, because y'all are y'all, y'all are pretty brilliant. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, y'all are pretty brilliant, and then I take what I want, and I leave the rest. Yep. Because y'all put out more than. Just like y'all say, everybody on CBS or whatever, hell, you don't know. But just like Don Trump, you don't hell, you don't know what's the truth or what's not the truth anymore on the damn gum news. Yeah, I I agree. Let me, hey Daryl, let me let me tell you what my dad used to say because he was my final authority on a lot of things. I got to move on because I've got to take a break. But my my father always said this about having an open mind. There's nothing wrong, he said about having an open mind to listen to the other side. The key is, is to not have such an open mind that when you lean over, your brain leaks out. Don't have that open mind. And that's what, that's what Democrats have done. They've let their brains leak out. That's what a lot of young people do. They don't have enough life experience to make a lot of the decisions that uh, they make. I mean, it's like the kid that's out there hog talking about gun control. He hadn't been long, around long enough to, to, to deal with it. How about the, uh, him making the statement, uh, we're the first uh, you know, uh, generation to be shot at by machine guns. Number one, you weren't shot at by a machine gun. Number two, uh, a lot of my uh, generation were shot at with real uh, machine guns in the jungles of Vietnam. The kid has no background at all to say what he does, and the media, on the uh, the of the the left and the Democrats pick up what he says and they make him into a freaking hero, and he's an ignoramus. And if he wants to call all my uh, sponsors and say quit supporting the Dave Ellswick show, feel free. I'm going to tell you the truth, and that's the truth. He don't know squat. And most of those kids that are out there marching don't know squat. They don't have enough life experience. Most of them, they'll wipe their own butts at times. All right, it's quarter till four. Got to tell you about PI Roofing. Joe Johnson, one of my favorite guys. He's a great friend of mine, and he is really, really smart. He understood that if you have a roofing problem, you got to get it fixed. You got to keep the water from getting in your house. And if it gets in your house, he knows what that does. It, it causes all kinds of problems that need to be repaired. 
He also knows to get the contractors to come out and do the small jobs that you're going to need done. It's tough. They want the big jobs. They're not looking for little jobs. They want bigger jobs. And uh, Joel Johnson says, I'm confident that whatever your roofing needs are, and that includes these problems you got inside, your team will be, our team will be able to develop a plan to solve the problem according to our standards of excellence and quality assurance. It would be our privilege and honor to serve you. You call them, they'll fix your roof, and they'll take care of painting in your house, getting rid of the stains on the ceiling, drywall repair. They'll do exterior painting, carpentry work, pressure washing, take care of the insulation that's been, you know, maybe destroyed because of the leak and all the rest. And I could give you the the whole rundown of a leak uh, for you to understand what he's talking about exactly. But PI Roofing stands ready to take care of all of those problems. PI Roofing now and Home Solutions, your roof leak detective. Phone number 501-687-6246. And then on the internet, piroofing.com or just Google PI Roofing. Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics stands ready to help you. If you find yourself in that position that you need a prosthetic, you need an orthotic, then turn to the, the business that is family-owned, And by family-owned, I mean this. They're professional. They can make the prosthetics there on location. They're going to measure you correctly. They're going to make sure that all of it fits you correctly and that you get to the height of mobility or self-respect that you want to to, uh, be able to reach because Mm -hmm. they have the empathy for you for you to be able to do that. They work hard. They stand side by side with you to make sure it all works to your benefit. Uh, If you want to make an appointment, you want to go see them, call them 501-663-2908. Women, if you've had breast cancer, you've had a breast or both breasts removed, know that Hortons can help you out so that you can get uh, you know your self-esteem back by using their prosthetics. They have women that are on staff that can work directly with you, know what you're feeling, and uh, can help you uh, reach uh, where you want to go. Now, they're located at 5220 West 12th Street in Little Rock. When you go there, here's what you need. You need the paper from the doctor saying what the treatment is that he's prescribing need to see your your uh, uh insurance card and see uh a driver's license or another picture id proves who you are so all you need and then let hortons take you on a journey to get you where you want to go 501-663-2908 that is hortons prosthetics orthotics it's all you have to do that's it all right, so uh, back on this uh, material dealing with uh, the special prosecutor and all the rest, the uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein told President Donald Trump last week, this just coming out today, that he isn't a target of any part of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation, 
And that's uh, information according to two people familiar with that matter. Rosenstein, who brought up the Mueller probe himself, offered the assurance during a meeting with Trump at the White House last week. A development that helped tamp down the president's desire to remove Rosenstein or Mueller, the people said. After the meeting, Trump told some of his closest advisors that it's not the right time to remove either man since he's not a target of the probe. One person said Trump doesn't want to take any action that would drag out the investigation. The change in attitude by the president comes after weeks of attacks on the special counsel and the Justice Department, raising questions about whether he might take drastic steps to shut down the probe. The shift gives some breathing room for Mueller as well as Rosenstein, uh, who has been criticized strongly by House Republicans because he's been slow to comply with requests for classified documents. Last week's meeting was set up in part to allow Rosenstein to uh, assuage Trump's frustration uh, with his decisions. At the same time, Rosenstein's message may have been based on a technicality Trump may not officially be a target, but Mueller hasn't ruled out making him one at some point in the future, according to a U.S. official with knowledge of the unfolding investigation. This just keeps going on and on because this guy, uh, Mueller, is just out there. You know, he he wants to find something that uh, that way uh, he's able to say, see what I did so that all this money that's being spent – will, uh, you know, be worth it, so to speak. Problem is, there's nothing there to get the president on. There really isn't. So keep that in mind. All right, tonight at uh, 6.30 at the Embassy Suites in West Little Rock, you should attend the Arkansas Tax Reform Forum. You've heard us talking about this tax task force uh, that's going on, and some of the things, some of the ideas are knocking around. Uh, well, tonight they're having a uh, Arkansas tax reform discussion uh, at the Embassy Suite, starting at six thirty. This is absolutely free, uh, and uh, you should go to it. The speakers tonight: uh, Dr. Jeremy Horpenthal of of Acre from uh, University of Central Arkansas, a very good uh, conservative uh, group that looks at economics here in the state of Arkansas specifically. And then Ryan Norris, who you've heard on my show often, you've heard Jeremy too, but you've heard Ryan uh, more often than anybody else here. He's the uh, Americans for Prosperity state director. So uh, that's happening tonight. You know, make some time to go over and educate yourself. It's very important in these times that people educate themselves about what's going on. That's the Arkansas Tax Reform Forum tonight uh, over at the Embassy Suites. So don't meet, miss it. starts at 6.30. And uh, it's something that you'll definitely want to take part in. And then this last story for you before we uh, get to the Fox News. Next hour, don't forget, uh, joining us is going to be the Executive Director of uh, Immerse Arkansas. And that's Eric Gilmore. He's going to talk about walk for the waiting. And then uh, A.J. Ferrati will be with us. And he's going to talk about tort reform from 435 until 5 o'clock. 
Former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani has been in talks to join the president, uh, president's personal legal team, according to a person familiar with the matter. No decision right now is currently uh, final. This is being reported by the Daily Beast. Uh, a slew of foreign policy matters which Trump has had to deal with has slowed the process of expanding the president's legal team, according to this person. Trump's time has been absorbed by North Korea and Syria, which has limited his availability to speak with potential new members of his legal team. Giuliani did not immediately return a request for comment, but he is a close ally of the president, having campaigned closely with him during the 2016 election. I'll never forget going to the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, we were having breakfast one morning, and uh, Rudy Giuliani walked into the room. And I'm telling you what, there ain't no rock and roll star that was greeted with that kind of ovation. People, I mean, he walked in and it just lit up the room. That was really very cool. Pretty stinking amazing to be that close to the man. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I mean, really, really was. And, I mean, uh, I got to see a lot of people that week. That you that you see all the time on TV and stuff. That you read. They were I there. Mean, dude, between Don King, Phil Robertson. Yeah. The Duck Man. Yeah. Love it. They were all there. They were all there. Everybody was there. It was a and lot of fun. I even saw his son, Willie. Yeah, they were all there. We had a great time. Montel was there. That's why we always go to the Republican National Convention, and we get on as many people as we can. All right, I got to get out of the way. Fox News is coming on. We'll have more for you after we get back. We're going to talk about uh, walk for the waiting and tort reform coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, just a few weeks ago, not that long ago, just a few weeks ago, uh, we had a gentleman on here. His name is Eric Gilmore. He joins us again. He's executive director of immerse arkansas their website by the way is excuse me immerse uh, arkansas.org that's right all right and with me eric is uh, joining me i want to talk a little bit about what his organization is again because they fill a very unique niche uh when you talk about uh you know kids that are in the system so to speak being taken care of uh, and, uh, you know, don't have lost your mom and dads for whatever reason, uh, maybe death, maybe it's, uh, you know, and they, they, and the government's taking care of them. Maybe the, the parents shouldn't have been parents, you know, just because you can have kids doesn't mean you should. And, uh, and there's some, there's a lot of parents out there never should have been a parent just to be honest with you. I know some people who work in CASA. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't tell me names or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I I hear stories, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and they're sad, sad stories. I was, and there's no kid that should have to go through a lot of the things these children go through. But we all know about that. There's a lot of people that are always asking for foster families to take care of these kids. Here's what's not talked about: mm-hmm. that runs out at 18. Mm-hmm. At 18, you know. Basically, you're an adult. Now you're out on your own. Has the has has the foster care system pre you know prepared you for that? Mm. And that's mm. where Immerse comes in. And mm. I really like this organization. Mm. 
Because I got to think that there's so many kids that get, you know, number one, they've gone into a system, personally, I don't believe is the best system in the world, and probably have a lot of pent-up anger and things of that nature. And then suddenly, they're told, okay, you're on your own. How are they supposed, you know, do they, can they go to can they go to college? Can they, mm-hmm. what what do you, what do you expect them to do? Have have they, you know, done well in school? Have they had the support to do well in school? Are they ready to take on the world and things of that nature? Mm-hmm. And you know, Eric's got a special place in his heart God put for him to take care of these kids. And uh, th- this this program is to be really really uh, commended because this has got to be one of the toughest programs to do mm. you just deal you're dealing with people who have some real issues here mm-hmm. yeah yeah um one of the the questions that it wasn't that long ago that i had never asked you know it's i guess it's been 10 or 15 years now but it's just what happens to kids that aren't adopted yeah it's so a good you, question you hear about kids in foster care and you hear about the needs uh, and the need for families, and I, I affirm that need. Um, but what happens if if they don't find a family? And uh, that's really that's the the gap that we set out to fill. Now the state um, at eighteen will give the young person an option to stay into care until they're twenty one, and okay. they can get some financial assistance and some training and some help with college, those kinds of things. Um, but what we've found. Uh, and it's you know so much so that we say it in our culture. It's not about what you know; it's about who you know. Mm. And so, what happens when you turn eighteen, and you really the people that you know have all been paid to know you? Uh, that makes entering adulthood a really difficult thing. Yeah. So, you know, how much help do these kids truly get? Is it enough to to get on with their lives, so to speak? What's well, a real challenge for any young person that's faced with that? So kind of like you were saying, you imagine you've already experienced the trauma of being in a family that didn't or wasn't able to meet your needs. So you might have been abused. You might have been neglected. My dad might have uh, been on drugs or uh, passed away or something like that. So you've got that trauma. And then you're going to have the trauma of uh, being in foster care, being in a system um, possibly moving around uh, to lots of different placements. And um, some of the, uh, yeah, so you, you're faced with that as well. And then you turn 18 and the world expects you to be an adult uh, at your 18th birthday and you're just not prepared. So at that point. Yeah, let's talk about that for a mm-hmm. moment, okay? You're in the system. These are good people that are, for the most part, mm-hmm. that are foster parents. Mm-hmm. However, you know, they're not your real mom. They're not your real dad. And though they can offer you direction and things of that nature, it's not having a real mom and dad that mm-hmm. can connect it with you and can lead you into life. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that that's tough. Mm-hmm. That, that's really tough. Nothing against, look, single parents. I've been a single parent for a short period of time, not a long period of time. Uh, my first marriage ended up in divorce. I had four kids. I had to take care of them, and I did. Mm. Uh, it's not easy, and I know it's not easy. And I got remarried, and we melded our families together. There were 
eight children all involved and mm. all of them love each other and mm. love us as parents and we got 13 grandkids now but the bottom line is is your kids need direction and that's what these foster parents have to do right it's an incredible incredible test to be a foster and an adoptive parent um need more people to do it get to work with a lot of great people that are doing it and they've accepted that challenge um and it's that it is a challenge it is yeah we're um one of the ways that we look at it is those parents they're one of their biggest jobs is to learn how to uh, create a healing relationship a healing environment for these kids so they say that trauma that is formed in relationships is also healed in relationships Mm -hmm. so those foster adoptive parents they become in some level tasked with this uh, job of creating a healing relationship uh, which is a really really hard thing to do it's not intuitive it's not uh, it's not first nature for a lot of us Um, but with some training and support uh, I have seen a lot of families do that and it's it's really incredible to behold okay so uh, where's the MERS at I mean last time we were on you know you were trying to add some more people to your organization and Mm -hmm. because you wanted to have you know enough money that more kids Mm -hmm. more i call them kids young adults Mm -hmm. a better term for them Mm -hmm. could come to you guys and and secure this help how's it going it's going so i think we talked a little bit about one of the things that you know around foster and adoptive families that we've started doing in the last year is to try and create more support for them so for years we were catching kids when they turned 18 uh, that they'd bounced around in the system or they were adopted and that disrupted. And uh, finally we said, um, you know, enough's enough. We got to do more to support foster and adoptive families so we don't have to wait until the kid turns 18 Mm -hmm. to get the help that they need. And um, there's some foster and adoptive moms, um, some ladies that have been doing this for years that have really led out on this. And since we talked last, we had a a family camp. It was called You Want to Go Family Camp. Oh, cool. It was at Shepherd of the Ozarks. And had 40 foster and adoptive families there for a a long weekend over spring break. Those 40 families together, you get those people, these big families together. It's about 250 people um, all together when you count all the kids and everything. But had horseback riding and um, uh, tubing in the water, paintball, hiking, all kinds of fun (laughs) stuff. And it was just neat. The kids enjoyed this, I can tell already. Yeah. Uh, and it, it seemed like families are walking away encouraged, kind of with a shot in the arm, feel like they're not in it alone. Mm-hmm. There's other families out there doing the same thing. Um, and that was our first time to do that. That was, that was really neat to to get to do that. All right. Um, on the youth side of things, yeah, we've got two uh, new folks that will start in the next couple weeks. Uh, one is a transitional coach for our young women. She'll have a caseload of eight young women that she works with Um kind of on a one-on-one basis, setting goals around getting into safe and stable housing, getting a job, developing earning potential, um, creating a a good relationship with a mentor, those kinds of things. And then we've got another young woman that's coming on board as a street outreach coach. So we have a street outreach team that part of what they do is they go out, um, they go to the libraries, they go to the bus station, they go into the schools and uh, start to build relationships with kids that are homeless, they're couch surfing, uh, they're in difficult situations. Wow. Homes are not a safe place, and start to build trust with them. All right, we got to come back and got to take a break. But when we come back, we want to talk about walk for the waiting. 
Um, if someone wants to donate some money towards your guys' organization or wants to get involved some other way, what should they do? Yeah. So we'll talk about Walk for the Waiting right now. That's the, the spot that we're, that we're pointing everybody to, and that's walkforthewaiting.org. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Do you mind if my show kind of takes you guys under our wing and try to help you as much as that we can? No, we'd love it. All right. That, well, consider it done. Well, thank you. All right. Consider that done. Uh, you all and the Dorcas House and uh, some other people. Uh, because you don't take a bunch of uh, government money or anything. That's that's a prerequisite for me to take you under the wing, but we'll do everything we can, and our listeners will help you. There's no doubt in my mind. All right, let me get a quick break in here. Let me tell you about Holland Bottom Farms. I've been talking about them for many, 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 many years. The best strawberries you can possibly put in your mouth, Holland Bottom Farms, is at 1225 Bill Foster Memorial Highway out in Cabot. They are open now. Tim and Leslie Odom look forward to seeing you at their stand on the highway out there. Uh, again, I'll have all of the locations uh, by next week where they're going to satellite locations where they're found. If you're here in Little Rock, you don't have to drive all the way to Cabot. Now, there is a, there's going to be a satellite location here in, in Little Rock for you to get Holland Bottom uh, strawberries. Just know, by far, as far as I'm concerned, and thousands of other people who go to Holland Bottom Farms. Uh, they're the best strawberries you'll ever put your lips around. They are absolutely fantastic. And again, that's Holland Bottom Farms, 1225 Bill Foster Memorial Highway in Cabot. All right, let's get back and talk further with Eric. They've got a special event going on, and uh, let's talk about, about that. This is called Walk for the Waiting. You can find out more about this at walkforthewaiting.org this is a family fun walk and uh, you can be a fundraiser yourself it's presented by david's burgers uh, you know david's burgers does a lot in our community a lot of people don't know about this is one of those things i believe and this gives you a way to help support three local orphan care ministries and you know what the bible says about the orphans right we're supposed to be taking care of the orphans and the widows mm. That, that's a direct command from Jesus himself. And if we're not doing it, uh, I believe we're going to be asked about why mm. we didn't do it uh, when we get to heaven. Uh, but again, it's for the call. It's for Immerse Arkansas and Project Zero. I'm not even familiar with Project Zero. What's that all about? Uh, it, what They do an incredible thing, and uh, one of the things that they do is they – take professional photographs of kids that are waiting to be adopted so their whole goal is to make sure that there's no kids in arkansas that are waiting for an adoptive family uh, i think last year was uh, for years that number has stayed around five to six hundred i think it's down to about 350 in our state right now mm -hmm. and uh they really um, have had a lot to do with that but they take these professional pictures it's called the heart gallery Okay. And they take it to different churches, to um, different places around the state, and get the word out about um, kids that need families. And then they create events for families to meet kids and help facilitate some of those families happening. Um, so their goal is to get down to there's zero kids waiting. Exactly. Project Zero. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this goes, this goes from A to Z. 
I mean, we're looking at people that are trying to put you in touch with kids that need to be adopted or need to be taken care of until we don't have any kids waiting because mm-hmm. to say that the line is a long line right now is an understatement. Mm-hmm. You got Immerse who's taking care of the kids, you know, once they're transitioning out of the system. And then you have the call, which is really inundated into uh, the system for foster parents and adoptive parents. Yes. Yes. So they recruit, train, and support uh, foster and adoptive families primarily through churches. And the the number of families that they've trained since they got started is, I think it's up over 10,000 now. It's That's phenomenal. Incredible. Yeah. Um, Did that all get started at Fellowship? Were they the ones Fellowship that started had a lot it? to do with it, yeah. That's what I, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. I remember when they were – how many years have they been around now? I think they got started in 2005 or 2006. Yeah, see, I, was, I, I knew they started after I got here. Mm. And if you think about that, 13 years. Mm-hmm. And you said 10,000 families. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work yeah that's yeah. been done by that organization it's, it's it is incredible. it's incredible it speaks highly of them it speaks highly of uh, our state to to partner and be willing to make that happen mm-hmm. and then of course speaks highly of the churches and you think about that, that many families um being willing to come forward and do that it's pretty well, incredible that means that they're taking the command seriously right and that's going you go ahead well i'm I'm feeling the need to double-check my stat there with the 10,000 uh, 10, kids that they've, that they've helped since okay. they started. So that's not, a lot of children. It is. It's a, it's a lot of lives. All right. So that's a lot of people. So uh, the funds are going to be used to mobilize the Christian community to foster, adopt, and volunteer for children in foster care in Pulaski and 43 other counties across the state. To provide supportive housing, intensive life skills training, long-term supportive relationships to uh, youth ages 14 to 24 who are homeless, runaway, victims of sexual exploitation, and or aging out of foster care, and to also support foster and adoptive families in their effort to help kids from hard places bond and heal from trauma. That's where Immerse comes into play. Project Zero to help kids waiting to be adopted by raising awareness about the need through the Arkansas Heart Gallery, short films featuring waiting kids, hosting hope building and connection events for waiting kids and open families with the goal of finding a forever family for every waiting child. So with each one of those three things I just wrote, uh, read, the first one is with the call, second would bring Immerse, third one project zero so this is going to happen on friday april 27th that's when the pre-registration happens from 11 until 1 at war memorial stadium just down the road from me yeah and yeah so pre-registration is that friday and then the walk is the next day saturday april 28th at war memorial and the, the way to get involved uh is to sign up to become a sponsored walker and what that means is you go online to walkforthewaiting.org and you click uh, register there uh, in the on the right, and um, you get your own web page, you get your own thermometer, and you set your own fundraising goal. So everybody that raises two hundred and fifty or more uh, gets a free T-shirt, and there's no cost to participate or anything like right. that. It's just a fundraiser. This year we've made a new category. So every year we have uh, lots of people that do the sponsored walker, but there's always these people that go way above and beyond. 
And this year we've created a new class. We've called them Warriors for the Waiting. And that's mm-hmm. anybody that raises a thousand dollars or more. And we've made some special T-shirts for them. But I, I was just looking, uh, and I think we've already got um, around ten or so people that have raised um, over a thousand dollars. Wow! Here's this, here's a couple of kids, Addison and Ross. They have this uh, lemonade and cookie stand. They've so far raised nine thousand eight hundred twenty-four dollars. I'll tell you what. You do me a favor. Next, uh, not next week. Week after, you get them. Get them into my studio and let's talk mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Can we do that? Oh, they would do great. Yeah. All right. We can bring them in. That, that, they need to be, you know, given credit for what they've oh, done. Yeah. That's some lemonade and cookies. Yeah. That's amazing. $10,000. $10, That's right. really now, amazing. Their, their goal is 15000 uh, which is an incredible goal. So they, they've got, um, I'd say, a lot of faith there with that big goal. But they've got about five thousand to go, and if you if somebody wants to sponsor them in particular, you can go to walkforthewaiting.org, and um, you can scroll down and you'll see Ross and Addison there. All right, so let me uh, give you that website again. Go to walkforthewaiting.org and click on the register button, then you can get involved in this. If you have uh, you know questions, you know frequently asked questions are always around, so they've got a FAQ section of the website. You can go to info at walkforthewaiting.org and, and get all of your, your questions answered. And that's going to happen. Uh, again, pre-registration is a week from uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then the walk itself is a week from Saturday. Yep. So you got plenty of time to do this. You know, get, get the, the information and then get to church on Sunday and start getting people to get behind you you'd be surprised how many people give 20 40 dollars right you know towards you getting out and walking how far is the walk gonna oh be? I, it's maybe a mile so it's not an athletic event yeah <laughs> it's a bunch of four times and, around yeah no big deal right okay right. so you can do that all right we're, we're out of time i'm going to hold on to this and that way i can mention it from time to time on the year walk for the waiting dot org uh this is to help kids that really need help and you can be part of the helping all right eric thank you again thank you dave we're taking you guys under our wing we're going to do everything we can to help immerse arkansas we've got fox news coming up when i come back after that we're going to talk to a gentleman about tort reform there are a lot of people for it a lot of people against it this guy's for it he'll tell you why when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Uh, we had a discussion uh, yesterday with Joe and Duck about Sonny's and how good they are about getting you uh, recycled auto parts to uh, put on your car when uh, you don't want to buy, you know, uh, brand new parts because you got a car that maybe is seven, nine, 12 years old got a couple hundred and a half thousand miles on your car and you need a transmission and how you can save a lot of money by get one of these uh, well-maintained total loss vehicles that Sonny has and pull the transmission there have their uh, uh, technicians put it in uh, for your car and save yourself a lot of money get a uh, you know warranty of one, two, or three years, parts, labor, unlimited mileage, and uh, you're you're set and ready to go. And then you don't have to go out and buy a new car because that's a whole lot cheaper than a car payment 
over the next uh, sometimes five years every month. Their number, 982-7451. You talk to RD over there. Uh, 982-7451 for Sonny's Auto Salvage. Uh, Want to talk about tort reform here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, this is going to, uh, you're going to hear more and more about this. It's going to become a very hot topic as uh, issue one that's going to be in November. You're going to vote on it and you're going to hear this from one side and that from another side. So which side is giving you, you know, the real scoop? Well, I've got somebody on that's going to talk about it today. AJ Ferrati is going to be on with us. He's the vice president of regulatory affairs for Oklahoma's independent petroleum association. And AJ, thanks for being part of the, uh, the Dave Ellswick show today. And, you know, I sent you a dissenting, uh, piece that was published an op-ed that said that this, this is, uh, a life issue and, uh, talking about, uh, putting, uh, a price on quote life. Well, whether you do, I think, uh, tort reform or not you're putting life on the line here or, or price on life are you not well i i, I guess i'd say this i, I don't know rose uh, and thank you very much for having me on the sure. show uh really appreciate it uh i don't know rose um i respect what she does at arkansas right to life i'm a very i'm pro-life individual here in oklahoma um but but I think she fundamentally misses the point and misses the understanding of tort reform. Okay. Um, and she misses the the fundamental concept of punitive damages. Um, punitive uh, is a lot like punishment. It's in fact the same exact thing. That they are damages given as a result of punishment, and um, they are not placing a value on life. It is to punish the person who aggrieved the individual. Um, so so this isn't placing a value on life uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, and, and to suggest such um, it, it misconstrues. I mean, the, the, the concept that that there are damages to be received. Yes, you you should receive um, damages for for your aggrievement for the the horror that may have occurred. Um, but but to say that a cap on punitive damages or non-economic damages uh, shouldn't be there, I, I think is just wrong. Okay. So why don't you start at A and take us through Z, kind of, and uh, and and tell us, as far as tort reform uh, is concerned, what is the f- the final uh, end that you're trying to reach? Is it why do we want to do this? Well, let me talk about this from from Oklahoma's perspective, and I, okay. I think that that could be a very good example for you from the concept that. Um, back in 2003, we had a state legislator, uh, after Texas had put some restrictions in place, uh, other states had put tort reform in place. Um, and we had an Oklahoma state legislator that wrote an open letter in the Wall Street Journal. And he said, bring your lawsuit to Oklahoma. We're more than happy to have your lawsuit tried here in Oklahoma state courts. Um, and that kind of sent a lot of questions and shockwave through the state. I mean, for a number of reasons. One, was there relationship for these cases to be tried in Oklahoma? Uh, and, and two, um, uh, he was essentially flooding the courts uh, with other states' issues if they actually could uh, have some sort of standing or, or jurisdiction within the state. And so um, that began the serious look at tort reform in Oklahoma. 
And it wasn't until Governor Fallon um, came into office in 2010 that, that actual reform efforts began to take place. And a tort reform package was put into effect, and um, you know, Oklahomans generally were, were extremely favorable about this concept. All right. um, the problem is that, that somebody, uh, a trial lawyer, decided to challenge it to the Oklahoma Supreme Court, saying that the statute didn't meet our stringent single-subject standards. And the Supreme Court said, yep, you're right. We don't want tort reform either. Um, so you need to break this up into 20 individual bills if you want this to Oh, pass. wow. And so the legislature, um, the legislature essentially said that, um, uh, okay, well, they went into special session. They put it all back in 20 separate pieces and did the same exact thing. Um, and And so... We have seen the Supreme Court continue to knock away at tort reform uh, through separate bills. Uh, it is potentially going to die of a thousand cuts, if you will. Um, and, and that's why I admire what you all are doing over there in Arkansas, is you're trying to place it directly in the Constitution from the outset. Um, and, and that prevents courts from cutting away at the potential and the protection of, of individual rights. You know, if you're a small business owner in that state or, or if you are uh, an individual that works for a small business and that small business gets um, uh, aggrieved uh, or does some aggrievement uh, and some legal process uh, needs to occur, if there's not a cap on what those damages can, can be, you can put people out of work. You can put people out of their businesses, out of their livelihoods. Um, and, and that's the sort of thing that I think gets lost is, um, yes, there should be just compensation if you are injured. Uh, you should be, uh, you know, uh, benefited if you uh, receive a loss. But on the other hand, um, we, we shouldn't put fear or risk uh, into the hands. We need to provide some predictability to the businesses out there um, as to what they can expect from the operating environment in the state of Arkansas. All right. So we want to do that. That that helps bring business in. I know I, I heard that when Texas uh, did their tort reform, uh, a lot of lawyers moved out, but a lot of doctors moved in and a lot of uh, different uh, uh hospitals and clinics and things of that nature because things were a lot better for uh, doctors for you know malpractice and things of that nature i mean that's what this is you know the, the the key is that if somebody does something that is inherently wrong and we know it they're going to pay for it that's the right. the problem is that if you turn it over to a jury sometimes uh then the then the uh, some of the people that are there, some of the uh, uh, lawyers see this as a methodology to go for the the judicial lottery. Is that not correct? No, I think that's right. And I, I think that that's something that uh, needs to be considered. I mean, I am an attorney, I guess, to be clear. Um, and so I may be uh, blackballed by the Arkansas Bar Association here in a minute. Um, <laughs> but but, um, but look, a, a lot of times, a lot of these cases are tried 
on the by, by attorneys. The attorney takes them on for free. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave, let's say you you unfortunately get injured and you come to me as your attorney, and I say I'll try the case, no charge to you. But any award we get, I want 40%. And, and 40% sometimes is low. Some of these times they go 50 or 60%. Um, and, and I need to recover all my costs, too. So if I go hire an expert on your behalf, I get a cut of that. And, and so let's say that, that you and I get a um, $1 million judgment all in on this. And um, what you're not realizing, Dave, uh, when we get that $1 million is that 40% of that comes directly to me, and then any costs that we did on experts, on trials, on filings, um, I get to pay those out as well. And, and so uh, that that dollar amount that you thought you were getting is probably nowhere close to what you actually will receive. Right. Yeah. And, and again, I go back. The reason our court systems many times are clogged is because so many people think that there's money to be made by going in front of a judge. Is that not true? Well, I think that's right. Um, But you also have to remember something I learned in law school. It was one of the first things we learned in our first year is you can't get blood out of a turnip. Um, You know, if if you sue somebody and you get a judgment for a million dollars, they have to be able to pay that million dollars. That's right. Um, If not, that, that judgment you have certainly hangs over their head for the rest of their life. Um, but th- there's no way to actually go out and, and receive that. Uh, I mean, you could arguably uh, foreclose on somebody's business, um, take over the assets of that business, etc. cetera. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you are sitting there waiting on that and potentially could never see that amount of money. Yeah, and the bottom line, the lawyer gets paid first. That's correct. Uh, that, that's another thing. I mean, look, it, it, it's a good example of this is for people to think about O.J. Simpson and the Goldman family. From what I understand, they haven't gotten a penny out of that. Lawyers have gotten a little bit of money, but uh, all that money that they thought they were going to get, they haven't got that out of uh, O.J. Simpson. Hasn't happened. You know, that, that, that's a very clear and perfect, um, succinct explanation of the, of the issue is, is that's exactly right. The, the, many times, I mean, what, that was 20 years ago? Yeah. Almost, more well, than 20 yeah, years ago. Yeah, almost 30. Um, and, and so that, that's an unfortunate example that, of, of what can happen many times. All right. Uh, AJ, if you will, I need to take a break. And then when, yeah, I, come, when I come back, we've got to make some money here, too. Uh, when I come back, we'll uh, spend a little bit more time talking about tort reform because the people of Arkansas are going to make this decision come uh, November uh, on Election Day in the uh, voting for Issue 1 here in uh, uh, for the uh, Arkansas Constitution. We'll talk more about it with A.J. Ferrari, uh, Ferrari here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me talk about with you Aero Plumbing. There are no lemon guarantee. They guarantee that the equipment or the fixtures they've provided, installed in your home, are going to perform as they've stated. If any equipment or fixture fails three times in the first year, it's going to say it's a lemon, man. It's a lemon. And they'll replace the item at no charge to you. And then their number one guarantee that they have, 100% satisfaction. If you're not 100% satisfied with the service they've provided, they're going to refund all your money. Also, if the plumber smokes or swears in your home, doesn't wear those shoe covers, I like 
you know, little things that they put on the shoes to keep dirt out of your house, or hasn't been drug tested, you don't pay for the service either. And finally, if a repair fails in the first year, the repair, not the item that they've put in uh, to do the repair, but if the repair fails in the first year because of something the plumber has done, they will repair it again at no charge. That's what Aero Plumbing does. That's what Earl Donaldson believes in for his customers. And you can find out uh, how you get an Aero Plumber out to your house. That's Aero Plumbing is the only plumber that I use at my home, and they do a fantastic job. That's uh, aeroplumbing.net or on the Internet at Google. Just Google Aero Plumbing. All right, back with you. A.J. Ferrardi is with us. We're talking about... Uh, tort reform. It's something you'll be voting on come November. Uh, it's called Issue 1. Uh, he is here to t- talk to you about why this is a good thing. So give my listeners maybe two or th- two, three things, the things that you think are most important that people uh, should think about when they go to the uh, the voting booth. Well, I guess, I guess one of the most important things, and we touched on it a little bit earlier, is uh, do you want to create a business environment in your state that allows businesses to feel comfortable operating in that state, to give it some predictability? And um, once you have done that, um, those companies, uh, that lays the groundwork for those companies to come in and offer jobs. Um, grow the economy of the state of Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas is a wonderful state. I take my family over there regularly. Um, and, but if if you want to grow the predictability so that you can grow jobs, that's probably the most important thing you can do. Is you can you can work on these these tort reform mechanisms. You know, this is not a job, and you may hear the bar um, say things like this. The trial lawyers. Um, that this is going to harm uh, access to justice. No, it won't. Um, trial lawyers will be able to file just as many suits as they were before. Um, the challenge for them is that they just won't be as profitable. Um, uh, you know, over here in Oklahoma, they, they called it the uh, Trial Lawyer Unemployment Act. It's not, unfortunately, how it's worked out. Um, but the fact of the matter is that um, there is predictability around um, what you can expect in damages as a result of a lawsuit here in Oklahoma now. Yeah, and that's a big deal, especially, and I think Texas has uh, borne this out, for uh, physicians. Yes. I mean, and, and that's a really important thing for rural states like Arkansas and Oklahoma. Um, you know, certainly there in Little Rock, up in Bentonville, uh, they have very good medical care. You have great access to, to physicians. Um, but that that access to physicians that the rest of the state has um, really needs to have that opportunity to grow and develop. Um, you know, there are areas, unfortunately, here in Oklahoma um, that are facing issues of retaining doctors or, frankly, keeping the, the hospital in place. Um, those are the sort of issues that are not helped um, when you don't have a predictable lawsuit reform system in place. Yeah, why would a... Why would maybe a, just a primary care physician want to come up and, and open an office if they know that if a mistake would occur, they could be sued right out of business? 
That's right. And uh, let, let's take uh, – we have uh, a former U.S. Senator, Tom Coburn, who I know that um, Great guy. Arkansas uh, regard. Uh, while he was in the Senate, the Senate had a rule that he couldn't practice medicine. Um, he was okay with that, uh, begrudgingly. But he also kept his insurance in place while he was in the Senate and not practicing medicine. Why? Because he wanted to be prepared that, by chance, if he was on an airplane and assisted in an emergency, he didn't want to get sued if something went wrong. Yeah, I can understand that. You know, I mean, he has his medical license, whether he's allowed to practice by the Senate or not. But if he assisted in an emergency somewhere, you know, he, he did not want to assume that risk, that liability on himself. Well, AJ, I'll tell you, I know that I made this statement earlier, but I still stand by it because there are people in this country now that see the judicial system as a way to make money. I mean, not just uh, the lawyers, but their clients as well. First thing that I said the other day when Southwest had that tragedy on their plane, the uh, and now we know that uh, one of the blades went bad on the motor, piece of shrapnel took out a window, lady almost got sucked right out of the plane, she died. I looked at my wife and I said, we can start with the person who made the motor, we can go from there to Southwest Airlines, and they'll figure out everybody else they can sue along the way. I'm just telling you, that's we are such a litigious society now that if you're going into business, you got to think about that stuff. You know, and, and that's a really good and important point um, that, that I really try to hammer home oftentimes. The courts are not about money. The courts are not about policy outcomes. The courts are not about hurting somebody um, out of spite. Uh, the courts are about justice and the rule of law. And, um, you know, I, I'm somebody who believes that the law says what the law says. We don't go to judges and ask them to bend the law. Um, and, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there that don't hold that same belief that you and I do. Um, that doesn't mean that we can't have practical rules in place that offer predictability um, when you're facing uh, an issue at the courthouse. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I'm not saying that we take away people's rights to sue. I just think that of course not. No. We, we have to make it, you know, in such a way that it, when you get in front of a jury, you don't know how a jury's going to react. How, how did I, well, I can say this, a jury will typically say, I believe at least several members of that jury would say, well, this is about uh, GMC. They got more money than God. What's it going to hurt them to pay this amount of money? Well, and and that's an unfortunate point of view because many times, you know, we hear that in the oil and gas industry here in Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, we can raise your taxes. You got all sorts of money. Yeah. Well, you know, guess what? In 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 our industry, uh, my membership, um, the average number of employees that a company has that I represent uh, has five employees. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when that company gets sued or it gets harmed? Um, they might have to drop. 40% of their staff. I mean, that, that number sounds significant, but when you only have five employees, that causes really big economic problems. Yeah, I agree with you. AJ, it's, all, it's been a pleasure. Uh, if you're ever over here at Little Rock, let me know. Let's have lunch together, and I'll put you in the studio here with us. Great. I'd love it. All right. You have a great afternoon, AJ Ferrari, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's from Oklahoma. Talking about tort reform, you're gonna we're going to hear a lot of discussion about this as we make ourselves towards November. 
and uh, you need to listen to all the arguments about it so that you can make uh, with a clear mind how you want to vote for issue number one uh, coming in November during the general election. Don't forget about uh, the folks at uh, Americans for Prosperity tonight out at the embassy at 630. It's free. Go learn about tax reform with those folks. They'll teach you a lot. I'll see you tomorrow, 2 o'clock, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.